over all the earth. You reign on high, every mountain stream, every sunset sky. But my one request, Lord, my only aim is that you reign in me again. Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? Over every thought, over every word, may my life reflect the beauty of my Lord. Cause you mean more to me than any earthly thing. So won't you reign in me again? Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? You are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Sing aloud to God, let the people shout before His throne. Hallelujah, sing aloud to God, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. From the ends of the earth, from the depths of the sea, let all creation praise His name. From the ends of the earth, from the ends of the earth, from the depths of the sea, from the depths of the sea, let all creation praise His name. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah. Unto the Lord, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. From the rising of the sun till the sun goes down, let the name of the Lord be praised. We're gathered to worship, We're gathered to worship, becoming a choir to sing your praise. Lifting our voices, lifting our voices, joining our hearts in this house today. 
morning. My name is Randy Tucker. On behalf of the elders, I'd like to welcome you to the first service uh, at Preston Crest. I'd like to remind you to uh, please uh, check in. You can uh, do that to the number on the screen or scan the QR code on the back of the card on the rack in front of you. If you're a first-time visitor, we'd ask you to fill that card out and take it to the information center in the lobby. 
we have a small gift for you uh, this morning. As we begin our worship this morning, I'm going to read from Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning declaring your glory and your majesty, your righteousness. Father, help us to stay focused on seeking your kingdom, your will in our lives. Father, thank you for the blessings that you continually provide. Help us to be content and not greedy. Help us to share with others, especially those that are widowed and fatherless. And may we practice true welcome and hospitality, not just to our friends, but to our neighbors and strangers as well. Father, we ask that you forgive our sins and bring us back into your light. Help us to forgive others as you have forgiven us and put your hand of protection around us as Satan is constantly looking for ways to turn us from you. Keep us from deception and guard our hearts, Father. We pray this in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Thank you, Randy. Church, let's stand and let's sing this morning. This is holy ground. We're standing on holy ground. For the Lord is present and where he is, his
to our communion this morning. Uh, Michael Fitz will come and lead us around the bread and around the cup. And then we're going to sing this song first. And I love this. Hallelujah, what a Savior. There is not a song more fitting to guide us into this communion time. Let's sing. Amen. church. So as I spent some time this week thinking about how to direct our minds as we're preparing to take this communion together, I kept coming back to a thought about the perfection of God's plan for salvation through Christ. And I'm sure that 
everyone that's in the room has probably taken some sort of a personality test at some point, Enneagram or Myers-Briggs. So for those that don't know me very well, um, I, uh, anytime I take those tests, I'm fascinated by, <clears throat> by them. And I always um, get back a list of, of character traits and everybody here would classify those as some sort of a perfectionist. And throughout my life, that has served me well in some capacities. I've been able to align that with a profession that's, that's well-suited. But in terms of my walk and my faith, there's been a struggle sometimes to, um, to, to feel as though I've got to be perfect and achieve perfection. The, the communion feast, as we take of the bread and we drink the, the cup, they are our spiritual sustenance. So each week we're, we're remembering Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. And this verse in Hebrews 12 came to mind this week um, because the sinful nature, it's alive and it's powerful. And it's, it's been something to accept that my, my perfectionism is actually fear of what I can't control. And it's a mask. That, that fear wears a mask of perfectionism. It's so reassuring to know that Christ has already championed on our behalf. That's the only way I can stand before God um, at the end of my life and, and have him representing me. In Hebrews chapter 12, it comes after Hebrews 11, which uh, most of us may call the, the faith hall of fame. And there's examples of many faithful men and women in the Bible that, that we read of. And so I find it interesting that chapter 12 then is a reminder that even those, they needed this reminder that, um, that we must fix our eyes on, on Jesus. So I'll read Hebrews chapter 12, uh, the second half of verse 1 and, and all of verse 2. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. This bread that we're about to take and this cup that we're about to drink is our sustenance. It sustains us in that race. Let's go to God in prayer as we partake. God, we come before you this morning, and we humble ourselves, and we know that it's through your Son and through his sacrifice that we're saved and that we're given eternal life. And God, as we partake in his body, living bread, I pray that we do so in a way that's worthy and pleasing to you. And that we not take this opportunity each week for granted, but that we truly use it as a marker in our week and our day to remember his sacrifice and to remember that we have Jesus as an advocate on our behalf. Strengthen us, forgive us, and go with us each day each day. We pray this through your son's name. Amen.
Join me in prayer again. God, we come before you once again, and we pray that as we partake of this cup that represents Christ's blood, that we do that in a worthy manner, that we allow Christ's blood to wash us and to make us clean, to make us white as snow. Thank you for the gift of your son and his willingness to shed that blood on our behalf. And we pray this all through Christ's name. Amen. offering this morning. You can drop that in the, the box in the foyer. We also have uh, uh, online giving available as well, but we also this morning and for the next couple of weeks, we're going to have uh, hurricane disaster relief giving set up and we have a box out there. It's also one of the, the drop down tabs for online giving as well. So this is again going through SGSO and this is a wonderful service organization that was birthed through this church. And we have people already there ready to receive help uh, as, and give help, provide help for those uh, that have suffered so greatly in this terrible hurricane that has just been ripping through the East Coast. So, uh, Jim Burrow, thank you for, for setting that up and, and helping, us, helping us get help to these people that need it so bad. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunities to, to serve and to give. Thank you for calling us your children. And I pray that what is given today will help many. And that people will come to know you because of that. You are a good and holy and faithful God. 
and your ways are always better. May we always strive to follow your ways, Holy Father. Hear our prayer. It's in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's watch a little bit about Pumpkin Fest. Good morning, Preston Crest. My name is Bobby Keese, and I just wanted to tell you all about something that my family and so many others have been involved with here at Preston Crest every fall. Pumpkin Fest is an outreach event like no other. It is truly epic. Imagine a night where 1,500 of our North Dallas neighbors, young and old, come to hang out with us on our property for an evening of food and fellowship, fun and games. So many in our community have a real appreciation for the way our church family works hard to put on such an amazing event. I just want to thank you, Preston Crest. To make this massive block party happen, hundreds of you have given your time, your treats, and your trunks. Jesus called us to love our neighbors. As we laugh and play with our neighbors, we get to know them and we build bridges into our community. Thanks for your generous gifts that make events and ministries like Pumpkin Fest happen. Okay, Bobby said 1,500. What did we have last year, Gordon? 1,600 last year on this campus, in this, in this parking lot. What an outreach opportunity, folks. What an outreach and what a way to plug in and, and serve. There is a QR code. If your camera can read that, you can go ahead and, and start signing up to help with us. Serve with us. There is no better way to get to know other members in this church than to serve alongside of them. And this is a great opportunity to do that. Another great opportunity for fun and fellowship is our golf tournament coming up in October. Actually, here it is. It's October already, folks. So, and the QR code is there. You can sign up now. You can, if your phone, again, if your phone can reach all the way up here and, and take that picture of that uh, QR code. Jacob said we have 12 people signed up. He said, I think I can win that tournament if, if we don't get any more people signed up. Let's don't let him win. We need more people. So y'all go ahead and sign up. It is, uh, it is a co-ed tournament. So y'all come on. Come on, girls. Get your, get your teams together and let's play. All right. So that is uh, October 25th, Tuesday, October 25th. Always a great time on the course. Church, let's stand. We're going to send children on up to Children's Church. We're going to sing a couple of more as Gordon's getting ready to come up here and share with us. All hail the power of Jesus.
beautiful fall morning. It felt so nice walking out to the car this morning. Hey, have you ever been to the Christian Works auction, John Scott? It's a lot of fun, isn't it? It So I hear they're doing it at the Arboretum this year. Is that right? That's going to be cool. It's a great work that many of you are involved with. Many of you have enjoyed the auctions in the past. So just be aware that that is coming up um, next weekend, right? No, wait, two weekends. Two weekends, yeah. And, oh, yeah, let me say this too. So Isla and I are starting to teach the young couples class. The young couples, so... Uh, young married, uh, engaged, seriously dating. If you might be interested in hearing for the next two, three months about uh, marriage, getting ready for it, or you're already married and, and, and kind of getting a booster shot for that marriage, show up uh, across the street at the young couples class. Isla is traveling today, so unfortunately you'll be stuck with just me today if you show up, but she'll be in there starting next week. She's coming back from a, a big missionary conference in Panama so, when I read the Sermon on the Mount, I am fascinated, I'm intrigued by how well Jesus knows me, I think knows us. Like, for example, in terms of just word count, the two biggest chunks of teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the second biggest chunk of teaching is about money. We got money problems, don't we? We think about money. We worry about money. Uh, we dream about having more money. He knows us. So he talks a good deal about us and our possessions. But the largest chunk of teaching in the Sermon on the Mount has to do with worry. Worry. I don't believe Jesus was by nature a worrier, but I think he knows that many of us struggle to live our best lives because we wake up worrying and we go to sleep worrying at night. He knows us well and that makes me want to pay attention to what Jesus has to say here. Uh, And I'll just be clear this morning, I do have some ongoing worries. I guess you could call them some chronic worries. I worry about my kids. I do. They're doing fine right now, but I worry about them. I worry about, will they grow in their faith? Will they lose their faith? Uh, will they find Christian mates? Will they, be, will they just be okay? I worry about my parents, my aging parents. Just how are they doing? I worry about the economy. I worry about uh, inflation. I worry about the stock market. I worry about these things, and a list of other things as well. So what about you? What do you worry about? It's interesting. Another thing that I I worry about is you guys. I worry about the church here. I worry about you individually. I know different situations that and struggles that you're going through, and I'm concerned about that. I pray about that. I texted somebody yesterday who has um, a husband who's in a pretty dire health situation right now, Um, I worry about how you're doing and are you growing in your faith. Uh, Paul had similar worries, the Apostle Paul, and he wrote about them to one of the churches he was concerned about. He wrote this in 2 Corinthians 11, talking about all this stuff that's on his heart. He said, apart from the other things, there is the daily pressure on me 
of my anxiety for all the churches. So there are plenty of things to worry about, and I wonder what it is that you worry about. I mean, I'll just give you a few categories. Hope this doesn't get your worry engine revved up, but some of the things that a lot of people worry about are things like a major business change. You're starting a new business, or you're trying to sell a business, you're trying to welcome a partner into your business. We worry about chronic relationship problems. Could be a marriage, could be with a child, could be with a parent, could be with a neighbor. We worry over maybe a family member who is in legal trouble. We are concerned about loved ones who have serious health issues. And we've probably all been there. We worry about moving. It could just be across the street. Or it could be from one coast to another coast, but we worry about moving. There's a lot of anxiety wrapped up in that. We worry about retirement, some of us. Have I saved enough? How are my savings doing? Maybe I need to work a couple more years. We worry about work, stress, maybe a project, a big project, a deadline at work, or the team that you're working with. We worry about a new home purchase. Such an amazing thing, those of you who might be looking to buy your first home, that feeling of finally own a home, and then there's the 30 years of mortgage payments you just signed on to that might worry you a little bit. We worry about a kid going off to college. I mean, there's just a lot. And so on the one hand, I show up this morning, and I think you show up this morning, I believe the Lord is here. I believe in Jesus. I believe the story Michael reminded us of this morning. I believe that he came and he offered his life to save us from our sins. I believe that he is active in my home, in my community, and certainly in his church here at Preston Crest. I believe these things. It's why I'm here. I show up to worship, and I walk out of here with my tank a little more full a little more excited for the week to come, and then the week gets started. And I like the way Paul Tripp put this in one of his books. He said, many of us live in the, we live with a huge gap between the theological confidence that we celebrate on Sunday and the street-level fear, worry, and anxiety that accompanies us the rest of the week. I think that's a lot of us. And I hope, by the way, I hope you're listening to me so far and you're like, okay, good. I can kind of take this week off. I don't have any worries. I don't have any concerns. Maybe I'll send the link to this message to a friend or loved one who does, but I'm good. I hope that's you. But for the rest of us, let's lean in and listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Jesus says to us, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? <laughs> See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So last week, Jesus talked to us about money. He knew that for many people, money can turn into a sort of false god. The affections of their heart go toward money and possessions. Their hopes and dreams tied into that. Their sense of ultimate security can, can often be tied into that as well. So he talked to us about kind of knocking the money god off the throne of our hearts and finding our true identity, not in how much we own, but in that he calls us his own. Our identity is in God. We are his beloved children. But you know, just as earthly luxury and money and possessions can rival God for supremacy in our lives, also how we handle genuine earthly needs, how we handle that can foster distrust in God as well. And so at the core of Jesus' teaching this morning is a very simple idea. I get to choose, you get to choose, we get to choose if our lives will be defined by worry or by worship. Will our lives, we choose this, will our lives be defined by faith or by fear? That's a decision each one of us makes. And so maybe it would be helpful this morning just to kind of get into different categories of worry. What are some of the things that we worry about most? So three big categories this morning. We'll start with chronic worry over daily needs. Like, yeah, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, shelter, those kinds of concerns. And that, I think you probably noticed, is primarily what Jesus addresses there in Matthew chapter 6. Anxiety over the little stuff, the, the daily needs type of stuff. And he says we can become so consumed with this kind of worry that we lose sight of the bigger things. Like in verse 25, he says, is not your life more than food? Is not your life more than the pursuit of the mundane little things, satisfaction of your daily needs? Uh, but we can get so locked into the bills that we have to pay, the groceries that we have to buy, uh, the needs that need to be met, so consumed, so locked into those things that we can lose sight of the Father, 
and become numb to, to eternity. Now, we have real and legitimate needs. You have them, I have them, and good news, Jesus knows that we have them. In fact, he tells us right there in verse 32, the Father knows that you need these things, but when the worry cycle takes over and it tends to run on repeat, when the worry cycle takes over and it cycles through and through again, we lose sight of the Father. We, we lose sight of the one who has been meeting our needs up to this very moment. And also, <laughs> Jesus wants us to know what worry adds to your life is a big zero, right? He says, verse 27, you can't add an hour to your life by worrying. It's not a contributor, right? It's not helping you. And so Jesus doesn't come along and naively say, you have nothing to be concerned about. That's not what he says in Matthew chapter 6. Rather, he taught that the things that we tend to worry about, A, we don't need to be concerned about, and B, that our concern can actually be harmful to us. Okay? So that first category of worry, chronic compulsive concern over daily stuff, daily needs. And then there's category two, genuine life emergencies. Wouldn't you agree that Jesus himself became significantly distressed, anxious, full of dread over what was to happen the next day when he was there praying alone in the Garden of Gethsemane? Didn't that weigh on his heart? Dominate his thoughts. So God designed you to experience concern, even anguish, over real-life tragedy and loss. There's no getting around it. If somebody that you care about is in pain, you're going to feel some of that pain. You should feel some of that pain. There's no getting around it. If you have friends who are in a, in a marriage crisis, you're going to be concerned for those friends. If the police show up in the middle of the night knocking on your door saying your teenager has been in a serious traffic accident, you're going to feel something. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. Okay? So Matthew 6 Jesus is speaking about the first category of worry, chronic daily stuff, food, clothing, that kind of stuff. He's not addressing this kind of worry over legitimate life crises. Now, one important thing here, Jesus does say what we don't need to worry about in any category is tomorrow each day will have worry enough of its own. Um, so he gives us an invitation to be present in now instead of daydreaming about what may or may not happen tomorrow or next week. 
And so while distress over life emergencies is legit, letting ourselves get caught up in a bunch of hypothetical worst case scenarios, getting caught up in what ifs, that is not helpful. That is not helpful. Doesn't doesn't enable us to live our best lives. Isla, I don't know if it's still there, honestly, but on her bedside table, she's got a pile of books that she's reading. Uh, Usually she's on her Kindle, but sometimes she's got paper books, actual hard copies. And this one, I haven't read it, don't really know what it's about, but the title caught my attention. It was kind of an old book, and the title of the book was Clinging to the Wreckage. I love that title. It kind of made me smile. Clinging to the wreckage. Because there are people, we all know them, who live clinging to the wreckage, not of what has happened, or not with the struggle they're going through right now. They cling to the wreckage of what might happen. Of the hypothetical, of the, this terrible thing. It could happen. Probably won't. But they're distraught over something that, that might happen. And worry, it really is a kind of faith, isn't it? You could call it an anti-faith, a reverse faith, but it's sort of a kind of faith. It is just a faith, a belief in, a conviction of the reality that bad things are going to happen. A belief that the worst case scenario will materialize. Real faith trusts in God and in his presence. His presence at all times. No matter what I'm going through, by faith I believe that he is present and I believe that he is unfolding his plans in my life. Even when something goes wrong, he's there. So faith trusts Not the inevitability of some worst case scenario, but the certainty of his presence in my life today. Jesus says, look, there are plenty of things happening today to hold our attention. Plenty of things you need to be concerned about right now. You don't need to waste time and emotional energy worrying about the future. Okay, final category of worry. And you might call this worry, air quotes, there might be a better word for it. You might call it concern for the kingdom. These are anxieties or concerns that actually come from the spirit of the Lord. Paul, we saw that. He had some anxiety over the health of these young churches that he had planted, over these believers that he had befriended in far off places He had daily pressure, daily anxiety over these people in these churches. So there are some concerns that you will never have unless you are a follower of Jesus Christ. There are some burdens that you won't have to pick up and carry unless his kingdom and his righteousness Come first in your life. 
Jim, Jim Burrow called me this week. I knew when, it, I knew when the phone rang, he was wanting to talk about the hurricane. And the hurricane hadn't even made landfall yet. But he was concerned uh, that all of the tracking showed it was going to make landfall in Florida. Who, know, who knows exactly where, but at that point. And he works with SGSO. SGSO, you know, it's this disaster relief ministry started right here. The Jost family, the Pace Setters. It was kind of the incubator there. And now it's become a pretty big deal here at Preston Crest. And he wanted to just share, okay, we're concerned about this. We see what's about to happen, and plans are in place. We're going to get material to Nashville, going to get loaded onto 18-wheelers. It's going to get down to those areas that are affected so that we can do some good generators and chainsaws and resources for people. Those are concerns that Jim had that he wouldn't have, but that he is a follower of Christ and he's concerned about people. He doesn't even know these people. Far off places. So because you are seeking the kingdom of God in this world, (laughs) hurricane world, disaster world, violence world, war world, because you are seeking God in this messed up place, you are likely to be burdened in some ways. Maybe for lost souls in some far off country. You know, we've had church members sell everything and move abroad to plant a church or to do mission work. You, you, we've had folks at Preston Crest do that. I can't help but think of Nathan and Masa, our very own sweet couple here with their three little boys, members at Preston Crest. They came to us, didn't know a soul, refugees from a faraway homeland that they had to flee because they had been arrested and persecuted because of their faith. And I think about them here. It's home, perhaps, sort of, but home is still back there now. And they have all of these house churches that they work with, that they carry a concern for back home. They're on the internet every week, praying with people over there, training leaders over there, leading worship gatherings over there. They have these concerns because they put the kingdom first. Well, good news from Jesus. When you have those concerns, when your priority is your kingdom, God, and your righteousness, then you can, verse 33, trust God with the daily stuff. Trust God with the ordinary needs of the day. So from what Jesus taught, we'll go quickly here. There are four anchors that we can hang on to uh, when worry hits. Waves of worry, you need to anchor. The first one is a mental anchor, an anchor of the mind. It has to do with a particular truth that Jesus says you can lash onto, And it's this. It is simply true. Worry doesn't add anything of value to your life. Remind yourself of that. Jesus certainly reminds us in Matthew 6. It doesn't, verse 27, add even a single hour to our lives. And that's good to know. Worry simply doesn't deliver for us. A doctor named 
Robert Leahy did research on worry years ago. Interesting conclusions he found. 85% of what we worry about never comes to pass. 85%, not going to happen, of the things that you worry about. And he discovered of the 15% that does, virtually all of that is stuff we can't actually do anything about. (laughs) And of the bit that we can do something about, worrying doesn't help us. (laughs) In fact, it can do the opposite. Worrying can paralyze a person into inaction. It can freeze them, deer in the headlights. And so truly what Jesus said, it is fact. It doesn't add anything to our lives. And so I kind of imagine a house in my mind here, right? Uh, There's this house. And Jesus in Matthew 6 is sort of saying, Hey, Gordon, don't waste your time fixing up a guest room for worry, making it comfortable, fluffing the pillow, laundering the sheets. Don't welcome this guest into your life. It will do you no good. The anchor for your mind is the truth. Worry adds nothing. The anchor for your soul is this. I'm going to choose faith over fear. I'm going to wake up each morning. I'm going to make that choice. I'm going to lash on to God. I'm going to stay close to my Savior. Jesus smack dab in the middle of all of that teaching. Maybe you caught it. He's just talking to these people like us and he just says, it's, he says, you of little faith. You of little faith. I mean, there he is surrounded by these people. I don't know how many were there. We were just told multitude, hundreds, thousand, more than a thousand. I don't know. But there they are in this beautiful place. I've been there by the Sea of Galilee. Green grass, flowers in bloom all around them. And he basically says, hey, you think these lilies over here woke up consumed by worry this morning? No. God has dressed them more beautifully, verse 29, than Solomon in all of his splendor. God takes care of the grass and the flowers. Don't you think he's going to take care of you? It's an anchor for our soul. God's going to take care of you. So every, every single day, I make that choice. I'm going to live by faith today. When I get up and I spend time in the Word of God... And I talk to God and share things going on in my world. I listen to the Father's voice. I'm cultivating my faith. Do you believe that God is worthy of your trust? Do you believe that? Do you believe that you matter to God? Do you believe that what Jesus said is true? That you matter more than the grass and the birds? Do you believe that? Verse 26. Birds, they don't need to hear this sermon. They're good. They're not worried. And you are much more, according to Jesus, much more valuable to the Father than those birds are. So, congrats this morning. You, <laughs> I mean, you got up, took a shower, had your breakfast, you made it here to celebrate the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You got up to gather with the Lord's people here on Preston Road in Dallas, Texas. That was not 
a small choice. Or maybe you're gathering with us online. That was not a small and insignificant choice to your week. You're cultivating faith. You're listening to the voice of the Father as you begin a new week instead of the voice of fear. Feed your faith. Starve your fears. And now, the anchor for my actions, like behavior has to weigh into this, and Jesus speaks to that. The anchor for my actions is this pursuit of God's agenda. That's where I really break free from worry over the mundane things. I begin to pursue the agenda of the kingdom of God. He promised, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All of the other stuff will be taken care of. Kingdom seeking. What a powerful antidote to worry in our lives. Ministry in kingdom causes volunteering in the church, signing up to help out with Pumpkin Fest here in a few weeks. These are all antidotes to worry, pursuing justice for marginalized people, using your money to resource kingdom ministry, antidotes to worry. Everything looks smaller against the backdrop of the greatness of God. We've said this here before. We'll say it again. Maybe we need to stop telling God how big our worries are, right? And start telling our worries how big our God is. Jesus lived this out. At his darkest hour, unjust arrest, sham trial, horrific crucifixion, he entrusted his situation to God. And out of that, history rejoices over that victory that came out of that darkest hour. He triumphed over Satan and sin, the powers of hell. He rose on the third day, and his victory is our victory. He won it for you and me. One final word from Scripture, and we'll close out here, but I want you to help me out by reading these words with me from the Apostle Paul to that church in Philippi that he loved so much. Read this with me. Do not be anxious about anything But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. May the peace of God, that surpasses all understanding, guard your heart and your mind. So are you ready to give your life to Jesus? Your past sins forgiven. Your present full of meaning as you choose to be a follower of Jesus in your day to day. And your eternal future secured. A future in heaven. 
If you need to do that today, if you need to be baptized into Christ, we would love to help you with that. Nothing would bring us more joy today. Maybe you have prayer needs. The elders will be praying over those tomorrow night, but we can pray about them right now. Come down and pray with us or pray with somebody next to you before you leave the house of the Lord this morning. Maybe you want to know more about Preston Crest and placing membership here. We'd love to help you with that. But right now, let's stand and let's lift up the name of our Father in praise. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but only trust in Jesus' name. Message, uh, a reminder that we all need to have our focus on the Lord and not let worry control. Please join us tonight at 6 p.m. as we continue our series in 1 Peter. Uh, Jacob will be bringing the message on living as free men out of chapter 2. Look forward to that tonight. And as we finish today, I'll read from 1 Peter 5, uh, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And the church said... Amen.